Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today, we will be talking about the 18th episode of Riverdale Season 3, Jawbreaker. I'm Mary Kukowski, and I am joined, as always, by the singular Kirsten McInnes. Kirsten, how are you today? I can't believe I'm being read for being alone. Um, <laughs> that is not I'm, what I said. I, I did not say I'm single. <laughs> I'm just joking. It's fine. I'm doing well. I'm super tired. Had so much fun last week. It's weird to talk to you through a computer again instead of in person, but... Better than nothing, I guess. Does it make you feel different about me now that we've actually met in person? I feel much closer to you. Okay. Well, that's good. Why do you feel <laughs> differently glad. about me? I feel that you're taller. Oh, <laughs> uh, it just... I hate that people know once they meet me. Well, I think it's different because most people that you meet from online, I think it's more common to meet people and think that they're shorter than you thought. But very few people have I ever met and thought they were taller. So you got I that hate going that. For you. I get that all the time. And I'm like, no, just think I'm short. Everyone just think I'm little. <laughs> I don't know. I like it. But yeah, so uh, Kirsten and I met in Philadelphia this past week and it was a smashing good time. We uh, met a lot of other <laughs> podcasters or actually Kirsten probably knew everyone. I met a bunch of people for the first time. That's okay. <laughs> no, I only met Colin for the first time. Oh, okay. I didn't know you met him too. So yeah, it was a good time. But we're back. We're Riverdaling it up again after a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, there was a, what, two or three week gap, gosh, between episodes? Yeah, it was a two week gap. And honestly, it was the perfect time for me to get a gap because I was so busy finishing up at my old job, getting ready to go on vacation and all of that. So it was nice because I probably wouldn't have been able to come in and you would have had to replace me. And now I get to just talk about all the episodes. It would have been fun to figure out who my replacement was going to be, though. I feel like it would have just been Hannah. I think it would have just been myself talking to myself. I would have recorded myself twice. It had been really complicated, but it would have been a fun time. That sounds like a nightmare, and uh, <laughs> to all of our listeners, I will try to never miss an episode so that doesn't happen to you. I still think I want to try that sometime, because I think there's a difference between recording a podcast that's just you talking versus recording a podcast that's in conversation with yourself, playing two sides. Yeah, that's psychotic. Okay. Well, I think it sounds fun. Vote in the comments. <laughs> Tell anyway. us what you think. Psychotic or fun or both. <laughs> All right. So let's dive into this episode. It was a little bit of a, I don't know, ups and downs. I like some of the plot lines. I'm, I still can't, I just can't jump on board with liking the boxing plot lines. Like they just, they just don't scream fun to me, but I, I'm never really drawn into the sports things. Like I've mentioned before, I love One Tree Hill, but the, the actual basketball plot lines in that were kind of the worst part for me. I feel like that's pretty typical for a teen drama is I'm never going to care about it. And I feel like they only put those like plot lines in because they want us to have an excuse to look at shirtless people and it's like fair enough Riverdale has proven they don't need an excuse people will just take off their shirts anyways so we don't need this yeah oh well uh shockingly in this episode though no Jughead voiceover how did it make you feel I missed it I and I thought that you would be sad I was sad and I was hoping that there would at least be a Jughead closer statement but there wasn't so just got a big old nothing in that section of my notes but that's okay we did at least for the first time in a while have a Jughead plot line that did not involve the serpents that was still pretty much his own plot line technically is the fp and jughead plot line thing yeah it was kind of odd and i feel like even though it's like not directly involving the serpents anything that's involving jughead and law enforcement right now kind of does involve the serpents even if they're not there because all the serpents are uh junior law enforcement now (laughs) 
I just can't get over the whole junior law enforcement thing. We'll get to it. I have a couple questions about the serpents, and some of them seem to be double or triple dipping. I'm looking at you, Fangs, over here and all of the <laughs> randomness that he's involved in. But yeah, so the the FP and Jughead storyline really starts basically right at the end of the previous episode where they found Baby Teeth dead in the same position that Dilton and Ben had been in back in the first episode of this season. FP says that he's ID'd Baby Teeth to find out his name is Brandon Morris. So he has somehow ID'd him from his prints, but like left him in the exact same position. I think that's a little bit weird. What did he do? Like pick up his hand, give a little fingerprint stamp, and then like put it back down? Yeah, I feel like they're doing everything in a very weird order. Like definitely the photos should be taken before they do anything else. And then you would think that they would do the identification like at the morgue and they would, you know, it it would come through that. Uh, But no, uh, they ID him before they get Jughead to come in and take the crime scene photos because, you know, Jughead is the only photographer in town. So they know that Baby Teeth has blue lips, the same markings as Dilton and Benjamin Button, but his teeth are missing, which is very odd, but I guess they needed them to like, didn't they have his teeth in a cup last episode? Yeah, they were acting as if the whole teeth thing was some like added, mm, I don't know, factor in the person who killed him, but I thought it was pretty obvious like that was just the way to get Archie and Jughead to know that Baby Teeth was the one who died, and I literally thought it mostly had to do with the fact that his name was Baby Teeth. I thought that was the whole deal. Yeah, that's what I thought too, Uh, and so they kind of bring up the topic of, is this a copycat killer, and Jughead has like the very intense moment of like, this might be the real Gargoyle King, and honestly, okay, I'm sick of this. I'm so (laughs) sick of this Gargoyle King plot line. Who is the real Gargoyle King? Not only that, but like, why does it matter? Like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if this is the real Gargoyle King or not. Like, every killing could be from the real Gargoyle King or someone else. Like, I, I, I've seen nothing so far to make me believe this is the real one. I mean, I guess, like, was the real one the one who had killed Dilton and Ben? I, I mean, I think that's what we're led to believe, but like, we have no idea who the real Gargoyle King is, or even if there is a real Gargoyle King, uh, which is just, I don't know, I'm just so sick of it. I, I cannot deal with this anymore. Funny uh, when you think about the town of Riverdale and the fact that there were two kids who were killed at the beginning of this season and they still have not caught the killer for them. And they don't care because he's not the star of the football football team or apparently attractive, even though I still uh, do not buy Jason Blossom as an attractive member of the Yeah, team, but like, but whatever. the sheriff wasn't the one who caught that killer either. That was Betty and Jughead. Yeah, at least someone caught that killer though. Yeah, that's true. And like the whole town was like, who did this until the killer was caught? Apparently now Riverdale has gotten so used to death that they do not care. Yeah, okay, so that's something I wanted to bring up is just throughout this episode, a lot of times we have the kids just like sitting around in that little lounge area in school, just casually talking about death and murder like they don't care and throwing into those sentences stuff about like shirtless boys or whatever. And I, yeah, I'm kind of sad with the fact that this is what the state of Riverdale has come to. It's just they just don't care anymore. Like it's Riverdale just so common is, day. Yeah, they're like, you know what? Just one child murdered? Pfft, we've got more important things to worry about. So I was talking about this with someone who hadn't really watched a lot of Riverdale and they, I was talking about all the deaths and we counted up that there has been close to 30 deaths throughout these three seasons and that they've escalated like a lot. Like I think there were two deaths in season one and then there were, you know, maybe like eight deaths in season two and then there have been just so many in season three. And yet like the, the tone of the show and the town and the characters cared so much more about like the state of Riverdale and the fact that there were people being killed back in 
season one and two. And by season three, when there's actually a lot of people dying, they just don't care anymore. Yeah, it's a little bit insane. So then we got our Mr. Morgue dude back. Do we remember his name? Nope. I literally wrote creepy morgue guy. Okay, <laughs> I forgot cool. his name. Yeah. So morgue it's dude. The son of, it's the son of the old morgue dude. Yeah. And they have the same name, but whatever. It does not matter. So he does his creepy thing where he is like going over the whole case. And so I guess baby teeth died from a loss of blood from his teeth being pulled, which sounds like a very slow way to die. Like, I feel like, yes, you would bleed a lot from that, but like it would take a while to bleed enough that you die from it, right? Yeah, I would think. I mean, unless it was like in the act of pulling out his teeth, he also just like completely tore up his whole mouth. I I don't know. Or like, I I don't, I honestly don't really want to think about it. That was like the creepiest part for me was seeing the, the dead guy on the table with the mouth stretched open. But they also dislodge a matchbook that they found in his throat that was, it looked like a metal ma- matchbook. I don't know if that was just the way it looked. It, it didn't looked even weird. look like a matchbook to me. It looked like a piece of scrap metal. And so when it turned out to be a matchbook, I was a little bit confused. And like, I feel like from watching so much like criminal minds and stuff, I should know what it means to like shove something down the throat of someone that's been murdered because it's definitely like some psychotic behavior, but I have no idea. And again, Mr. Morgue dude is like, whoever did this isn't human. And it's like, it's just like what they said at the beginning of the season when they're like, this is true evil. Every murderer cannot be true evil. I'm pretty sure they said this about the Black Hood as well. I feel like they just have no concept of what evil is. And like, yes, murder is the worst thing that could happen to someone or whatever. If you call every murderer the definition of pure evil, you're really diluting what evil means. Yeah, it's it's a little bit much. And I'm kind of over creepy morgue dude in general. Yeah, he can go. So also, I'm pretty sure throughout this episode, we never really find out what the deal with the matchbook was. I mean, it led us to going to the Maple Club, which if you guys don't remember, is the sex club that Penelope Blossom owns that, I mean, I guess is just fine. I, I mean, I know those are legal, so I guess I guess it's whatever. Yeah, so they go there and Penelope's like, oh yes, uh, some ex-cons showed up, uh, but they were charming and she's just weird as usual. And Rosemary fulfilled his fantasy. Then some, like, randomly some rabid dude just starts like smashing stuff and grabs some bl- broken glass, but like FP knocks him out really quick and they lock him up. Now, I don't know about you, I thought this was Kevin Keller's dad at first. Like, I thought this was Sheriff Keller. It looked a lot like him. I did not notice that, but that would have been literally so terrifying. I feel like this is like the escalation where like a few episodes ago, someone started kind of tweaking out and like threw hot coffee on the waitress at Pops when they were on drugs. And now it's like this episode is every single person who takes any Fizzle Rocks, which we apparently are calling G now, is going to be totally out of their mind. Yeah, I was very confused when they started talking about G because I thought that this was like Jingle Jangle. I I mean, I realized that does not start with the letter G, but I was very confused. But yeah, so a cheerleader at school then also starts going crazy and she's like banging her head against a locker and there is like a sizable dent and a lot of blood on the locker and I'm really surprised she didn't die straight up from doing that. Her friends say that she took some G also, which we see is just a Fizzle Rocks packet with a letter G written on it in Sharpie. So I guess it's just like G is the next level of Fizzle Rocks and it is more intense. At least G finally sounds like something that would be a real drug, which is a big turn for Riverdale. I don't, I feel like it should have been a different thing if it's going to be called something else. Like, why are we calling the same thing by different names? Well, okay, this is what has always bugged me about Fizzle Rocks, is the fact that they establish that Fizzle Rocks are just candy. They're like Pop Rocks, but they've just now also become drugs. Mm -hmm. And it's very confusing. It would be like if we had lollipops and then we still, instead of calling the drug something else, we just still called it lollipops. It's very confusing. I'm glad that they're just using the packet 
packaging now, but calling it something else. And we find out later that the G stands for gargoyle, which like, yeah, no, no joke. Could have yeah, I mean, that I, out. I mean, yeah, I, I kind of figured the minute they said G, right? Yeah. So uh, everybody basically is foaming at the mouth and then becoming very enraged is what appears to be happening when it's they like take the G. It's like they're on bath salts. Right. Which is what FP says. He, say, he thinks that they're either it's a bad batch or that they're cutting the fizzle rocks with like bath salts or something else now. So that's happening. And, and meanwhile, FP catches another guy at Pops who's like also going crazy. And so they've got like three people locked up. Actually, I don't think they ever locked up the cheerleader. I think they just like took no. her to the doctor. So uh, okay. Jughead's like, did she take something? Take her to the infirmary. And I'm like, this person is so far past what like a school infirmary could do. Like take her to the hospital. Yeah. Like school nurse, they pretty much are like, oh, here's some ginger ale. Lie down if you feel sick to your stomach. Otherwise, here's a Band-Aid or an Advil. Like that is pretty much the max that school nurses can do. Now, I am just going to preface this by saying that is my experience with school nurses. I am sure that they do a lot more. And if you are a school nurse, this was not meant as an insult. No, like they're still a nurse. They're still incredible. But I would assume that whatever school board they work for doesn't really empower them to use the full range of their skills. I also feel like school nurses are like a dying, uh, dying breed. Like schools don't really have, I I never had a nurse at any school I went to ever. I, I definitely did. But I mostly, like I said, went to the school nurse when it was like I scraped my knee or I like jumped off the swing set and knocked the wind out of me or something or like lost a tooth a lot of losing teeth a lot of little kids in kindergarten wetting their pants a lot that, that sounds like literally a miserable job and if you are yeah. a school nurse uh we're with you i used to go to the school nurse in high school when my allergies were really bad just to get out of pe i would just like go there and lay in the dark and it was really nice that sounds incredible i definitely abused the go to the school nurse power more than i utilized it for good i used it for evil i'm sorry Honestly, i apologize i admire that <laughs> yeah anyway anyway so then we get a little clip of jelly bee playing griffins and gargoyles with joaquin's brother forgot his name it's like freddie or something i don't remember i forgot joaquin had a brother yeah it was that kid that archie adopted what was his name anyone remember oh mm, couldn't tell you but couldn't creepy. tell you either but he's joaquin's brother and he's creepy i love the fact that she's wearing elf ears and a hat that, that well i cute. feel like her hat was like almost reminiscent of like the jughead hat but a little bit but like with the long santa and claus the ears were part. super creepy and then friggin joaquin's brother's just in like a newsy hat it was also the first time that jellybean has like looked her age like she looked like a little kid here as opposed yeah, to like I, I a almost tough didn't kid. even recognize her because i got so used to her just like dressing up and acting older than she is how old is jellybean jellybean supposed to be i think she's supposed to be in the vicinity of like 12 ish give or take okay. a year or two yeah she and she actually looked 12 here right right whereas she was looking more like 15 or so before so anyway not 100 sure so then they talked to the first guy again who they had locked up and he's telling us that he got the g from kurtz which like they figured anyway the second guy also says that he got the stuff from kurtz and that kurtz is like being more aggressive than usual trying to deal these drugs again i don't really think it was answered in this episode of like why is kurtz trying to make all these people go crazy i like i don't think he has like an outcome i don't i don't know what he wants i just assume that he's very upset over what happened in the last episode with like the apartment building and the drug bus Mm -hmm. and he is like i'm gonna get my revenge by dealing drugs even harder than before yeah uh, i guess and then i'm gonna skip past some of this because basically there's a lot of they get a call from the maple club they go there they find out that there was some Mm -hmm. preppy kids who like were waiting for a dealer and they left a boxing flyer in the trash it's basically just oh kurtz is going to be dealing drugs at the boxing match but like they didn't need this three-step process to get there so whatever anyway so they go to the boxing match that's happening and they catch kurtz and 
and Kurtz is being super weird as usual and he's like, oh, baby teeth was just the warm-up. It's all about the quest, the quest for your family to save the little princess. And they're like, what? And then Jelly Bean's in the forest with Joaquin's brother and sees the gargoyle king. Yeah. yeah. I also like how they're immediately like, what did you do to Jelly Bean? Where I would have literally not put together immediately that Jelly Bean was a little princess because she is, acts like anything but a princess. Yeah. I mean, it was, I don't know. Like, a lot of this episode, it kind of like made me feel like I missed something. What is with TV shows this week? Because Survivor did the same thing. I felt like I was missing an episode between this one and the previous one. And part of that might just be the break. But like, as you can see, I have forgotten Joaquin's brother's name. I really should look this up. I Why mean, is the name Frankie popping into my head? Because he, he's little and he looks like he would say, hi, mommy. Ricky. Ricky DeSantos. So Ricky is Joaquin's brother. And yeah, like I couldn't remember like where we had left off with him. I guess that he just went back to working with Kurtz and stuff. Um, But there, yeah, there's just like a lot of stuff of like Hiram was not in this episode and neither was Gladys. And some of these other big plot lines we've been having have just kind of paused. And so I'm a little disjointed on like forgetting where Jellybean's relationship with FP and Jughead was at this time. So guess yeah, this is where we're at. It's very bizarre. Like this episode felt out of place. Yeah. She also does mention earlier when she was playing in Pops that like, oh, her parents don't mind if she stays out late because they're always busy. And I do kind of feel a little bad for her because like she is an 11 or 12 year old being like used by her parents kind of, well, not her dad as much, but yeah, like used by, by one mom, parent, used by her mom as like a, you know, partner in crime that's like way above her years and it was a little bit sad. It definitely does make me think, like, was there ever a time when Jellybean actually did just, like, go to school and have a normal life? I mean, if, if it ever happened, it was when she was, like, very young. Yeah, sad. All right, so let's move on to the Archie slash Veronica boxing plot line. Mostly Archie, a little bit of Veronica. So we start out in Archie's boxing gym, and all of the prison fight club survivors are sad about baby teeth, understandably, and they want to honor him in the only way they know how, which is with their boxing. Uh, which is kind of weird, but okay. Well, also, there was at least one person in here who they didn't really, they had a couple lines, but they didn't get close enough to I could really tell. It might have been Sweet Pea. It might have been Reggie. It might have just been someone who looked like Sweet Pea or Reggie, just a dark haired guy who was like, had a couple lines. And I honestly forgot, like, was this one of the kids who had escaped? Was this Thumper? Or was this like someone else that I should be recognizing? And since if it was, if it was like Reggie, since when did he join the boxing thing? If it was Sweet Pea, since when did the serpents join the boxing thing? Like, I don't know. There's a little bit, because like I said before, like Fangs is also in this grouping sometimes. So it's just, a, I don't know. It's a weird mix. Yeah, I didn't pay that much attention because I don't really know what the Fight Club kids look like. So I'm unable to help. But Mad Dog comes in with like the iconic line of, I was going to go into this Gilded Gloves boxing tournament to win. And now I'm going into win and on her baby team. Yeah, you know, I'm just going to say right here, if I die, or get brutally murdered, don't honor me by boxing. Yeah, no, politicize the hell out of my death, but please don't box. Yeah, I don't know. Do something that would be something I would actually care. Like, go go win a Harry Potter trivia tournament on my name. That would be great. I think I'd prefer that. It's good to know that that's how you want to be honored. I think that would be the best thing. I mean, you could write some fan fiction about me as long as oh. it's all clean. Yeah, nothing dirty for Mary, okay, guys? Clean no. fan fiction is the only way to honor her life. The Riverdale recap does not approve of inappropriate fan fiction. I like how the main fan fiction you've recommended to the fans is definitely not clean, but okay. I'm sorry. It's just because I haven't on. read a whole lot more fan fiction. I need to find something that's not. We'll get to it eventually, I'm sure. Maybe. Anyway. I certainly <laughs> won't. <laughs> 
So um, I just wrote in my notes that I love that Jughead is eating a bag of spicy tortilla chips at one point. Okay. Huh. I, I don't, they must I don't, have been Doritos. All right. Cool. Is that a close but no cigar? I don't think so. So I, the other part that I felt very disjointed and like I had missed something. I'm sorry. Since when is Archie's Boxing Place called the El Royale? When, I, was that already established? Because I missed that. I don't know. I feel like we've only ever heard it described as a local boxing gym. <laughs> I don't know. Well, either but way. <laughs> anyways, he really wants Veronica to help him get his boxing crew a spot in this boxing tournament, which let me tell is that what it's called? A boxing tournament? Like, it just doesn't sound yes. right. Like, yes. I thought boxing was more so like there would be like a one main match that would be hyped up, but then maybe like a couple of matches before that. Like, I don't think it's called a tournament. Well, it's, uh, Elio's calling it a tournament, so. But is it like, it's not, I mean, a tournament implies that like the one person might be boxing multiple people, like do m- multiple matches. Yeah. But I that's don't think not that's what it happening seems like. here. Yeah. So it just doesn't seem like a real tournament. Because how do you win a boxing tournament if it's just a whole bunch of individual matches? You, I guess by points? I don't, is boxing by points? I don't know. I don't but know. But like, it's just so weird. And then like Archie's asking for Veronica's help. And then like, I didn't realize that Archie and Veronica were close again. Like, I feel like we missed part of that puzzle too. Yeah. Also, are Archie and Josie still dating? Because she was in one scene of this whole episode. I think technically they might be, but I don't think that's going to last long. I I don't know. So then Veronica decides to go ask Elio in the steam room. And so when he says no and she stands up and goes, don't forget this, I really thought she was going to pull a Hermione and like drop her towel. And, Me like, too. Oh my get, God. Use I really her body to get was. what she wants. Yeah. Hermione would be so proud. That's all that Hiram and Hermione have ever wanted of Veronica. I really thought that's what she was going to do. And when she didn't, I was a little bit shocked. Yep. Um. Also, like again with Riverdale, just adding in random stuff. There was uh, another dude in the steam room who uh, we don't know who like overheard all this and was very clearly checking Veronica out the whole time. Don't know who he was. He never showed up again, but I thought he was important. Guess not. I I assumed at some point he was going to go like somehow help or something. I have no idea. Anyway, he didn't. He didn't seem important. Also, her whole threat was like, now we're going to play dirty. And so what was her playing dirty? It was just, oh, Alice Cooper is going to make a news spot with Archie and Veronica being like, come join our gym. And then Archie's going to like try and get Randy to rematch him. It was, I don't know. Also, they called him a local hero and Archie is not a local hero. Name name one time Archie has been a hero. They're like talking about the El Royale and they're like, Archie will train you and help you reach your fitness goals. And it's like, first of all, since when is Archie a personal trainer? Like I, I yes, he has abs, but like, I feel like he's followed other people's plans forever. Like, I don't think he's made his own yeah, plan. Like he has his own trainer. And then also like, I don't know, it just, why aren't they in school? Like, what, what are they doing? You know, I don't know. Twice in this episode, Betty was like, I've got to go to school. Since when? Because every time she even says she has to go to school, she just means I'm going to go talk to my friends in the lounge. So Yeah, I would like to see them actually go to school. Nope, not going to happen. So Elio's like, yeah, fine, Archie, you can fight him, but uh, you need to be a middleweight class now. So, okay, that was cool. There was also a really dramatic coin flip. Okay. And basically- And I'm sure that was was like a fake coin that was heads on both sides. I probably. It was like a, it was a poker chip. So I, okay. I don't know why there was a head on a poker chip to begin with, but whatever. And then, so Archie's eating and he's like, oh, I feel like Jughead. And I'm like, well, I don't know. You're not eating spicy tortilla chips, but okay. Well, yeah. And so then they have to get, Archie has to get 
up to middleweight, which is between like 154 to 160 pounds is what I've Googled. And Archie definitely weighs more than 154 pounds normally. Like, yeah, that's why I was confused with the whole welterweight thing from a couple episodes ago is like neither Randy nor Archie were welterweights. Let's be honest. Like there's no way that Randy is only 159 pounds. Like I just don't buy it. And like, it's a very weird thing too in like boxing or wrestling or anything for someone to be having to get up to weight. Normally they would be doing like an aggressive cut to cut like all their water weight so that they can fight in a lower weight class when they're actually bigger to like have an advantage. Right. It didn't Um, really make any sense. It's just, I don't buy that Archie is under 160 pounds. Like, he's tall and he has a lot of muscle. I guess from Elio's point of view, it's like, okay, if he can get Randy to get bigger and then, like, you know, Archie has to get big in, like, what, two days, then Archie's probably going to be at the lower end of the class. So, like, that would be harder for Archie. Yeah, I think they just, like, with these weight classes, they're messing with us. I don't know. They want us to think Archie is this, like, massive dude, but also keep calling out how lightweight he is. So, I don't know. It's weird. It's it's very weird. It doesn't make sense. Um, It's, I don't like it. Anyway, so then Mad Dog has discovered that Randy is taking some kind of powder to increase his fighting ability and makes him strong um, and apparently makes him into pure rage is something Mad Dog says. Which so then, probably is just that G stuff. Yeah it's, that, that's kind of where, what I was thinking at the time and then Mad Dog is like I've got to give you something to be able to actually fight it because you're not going to be able to do it clean and Archie is so insulted he's like well this made no, no sense for a couple reasons. First do you think this was implying that he was giving him the same stuff or was that something else? I think it must have been something along the same lines. It's probably like some sort of steroid maybe. But then also like Archie never used it and it wasn't even like we had a shot of him like contemplating using it in the middle of the fight or anything. No, Archie is just purely I will not do drugs, which like that goes with the endorsement of this podcast that we don't endorse drugs, but like Archie stopping such a nerd. Well, I I mean, I was fine with it. I just thought like it was wasted screen time because if the, the whole point of putting something like that in thematically is that Archie needs to then later on like contemplate using it but then decide against it but instead it just never came up again yeah it was just like they needed to fill two minutes of screen time and they decided that was how they were gonna do it yeah it's fine so Archie takes the boys on a run to the gravestone of seeing baby teeth so they can again be like we're doing it for baby teeth that's when I wrote why is Fangs here is he part of this okay yeah I guess Fangs is a boxer now but like there's no way that baby teeth would already be buried with a gravestone that fast unless this episode is over like a much longer time frame than we think. Well, I figured it must be over a pretty long time frame because of Archie like being able to gain weight and stuff. I don't know. I could be wrong. It depends how small Archie was before because if he's only having to gain like two pounds, you could do that in a day. I don't know. I don't know. Then Veronica gives Archie some new shorts and robe with the Pops logo on them. Then Josie is there and she's kind of like, oh, I see that you've got those and she's a little jealous maybe. Also, Fred walks in and is teasing Archie about getting too friendly with Veronica. So, like, that was kind of a shocker to see Fred. I kind of thought that he wasn't in any more of these episodes. Yeah, it was just, like, a very short clip of um, him being like, huh, seem close with Veronica. Archie says, no, we're just friends. And then Fred gives him, like, a knowing look and walks away. And so, like, now I'm wondering if there's any more of these little, like, Easter egg clips of Fred Andrews that we'll see throughout the show. Or, like, maybe there's things that they filmed that they 
they weren't planning to use before but are now going to use like yeah I don't know I don't know it's very jarring every time I see him on screen now and very sad it really is so they have the fight and that's where there's a little bit of tension between Josie and Veronica so Josie does pop back up which I guess means they're dating not sure <laughs> also like why do they need to wear these robe things with like a hood because they it's put a- the hood on and then they take it off like two seconds later it's a boxing thing okay I don't that's like it. any boxing movie you'll see him in the in the robe with the hood yeah I get I get it but I don't know why like what's the purpose is it just for suspense I assume it's to intimidate okay but I really I don't know if someone wants to explain boxing to us let us know yeah the fight scene's actually pretty short Randy is drinking his water and Elio's like yeah I put some G in there and well yeah uh, because Randy takes a drink first and then he's like what is in that so like Elio fully just drugged him yeah it was a little rough but Randy's like okay chill and then he starts foaming from the mouth and like they try to tell the ref like hey we need to stop because clearly something's wrong with him and the ref's like well guess it's fine like no but the ref doesn't even reply like the ref is not involved elio goes no the only way this fight is ending is if you're forfeiting it and it's like no like they were talking to the ref not you elio shut up yeah and and it's you know it's like this isn't like he's being aggressive it's like he is foaming from the mouth like something is wrong he literally does look like he wants to eat archie's face yeah um but archie manages to knock him out anyway there's a couple shots of fred in the audience it's kind of cute but like and then archie knocks ronson out randy ronson and i'm pretty sure that he died like he looked dead he's well because then archie starts shaking him and like he's not breathing so like obviously there's something here and then it's like is archie gonna get blamed for this or are they gonna do an autopsy and find the drugs like honestly is archie going back to jail because like you know what i don't think so i don't think they would do that i cannot start this season with archie going to jail and end this season with archie going back to jail i can't i can't handle it you know what i literally i could okay moving on Let's get to the farm plot line. Betty, Cheryl, Alice, the farm. Lots of stuff in this part, kind of. Yeah, it's kind of the meat of the episode. So Betty is talking with Edgar, which, like I said, at the end of our last episode, I said, I really hope that this next episode begins with Betty talking with Edgar and that we actually get to hear this conversation. Now, it was not as impactful as I thought. It was basically just a whole bunch of, like, culty kind of stuff with Edgar being like, yeah, I was something, something in the desert and there was a farm and I worked on the farm and it was beautiful and and I wanted to help other people wander out of their darkness or whatever. It was kind of a lot of like, I loved Betty's responses when she's just like, yeah, okay, that's a great story. But like, uh, how is my mom seeing her dead son? And he's like, oh, well, some people just need to see things to believe. And she's like, no, no, but like, really? <laughs> Like, yeah, how is she like, yeah, it's cool that Betty doesn't back down, but also, like, she should know that this is not the effective way to get information in this situation, and I'm increasingly annoyed with her not handling the farm properly. Yeah, but I also, I think this is one of the episodes where I've identified most with Betty of just, like, not taking, like, she's just very stone cold through a lot of this episode, and I feel like that's how I would get if I was at this point in the season with Betty of trying and trying and trying to figure out what's going on with the farm and then just, like, giving up. So I feel like that's, I don't know, I feel like that's how I would feel. Yeah, but like she just needs to be more strategic. Yeah. Yeah, she does. So Cheryl's still part of the farm. She's hyping it up in school. And uh, we get a couple shots of Cheryl and Kevin Fangs and Evelyn walking down the school hallway, all dressed in white. I don't know when the whole white thing started. I I guess at the end of the Heathers episode, they were all wearing white. But like, since when has this been a thing? I guess it's just like uh, the all white aspect of the farm is now comfortable in the school after the Heathers episode. 
Um, and then Cheryl has like her moment in the announcements where she's like, uncap those pens and sharpen those pencils and sign up. All the cool kids are doing it. And then they look like the like prototypical popular kids walking down the hallway. Um, the other thing I really liked is in these early like school scenes in the episode, Betty is wearing a red sweater, which is like at least someone's wearing red. Yeah. If Cheryl's not, then at least Betty needs to. Actually, Betty wore, I think like three different red sweaters throughout this whole episode. She's like taking on the Cheryl po- plot points, I guess. Yeah. So Betty is then, they have a couple debates of Betty being like, we need to convince people that, you know, their loved one, both Cheryl and her mom, is actually dead. And like, I was trying to think about this. I don't think, I mean, it's hard to tell whether or not Cheryl and her mom really do believe that their loved one is not dead or if they're just like, they sort of understand they're talking to like a, a fake person or like a vision, but they're okay with it. It, it kind of goes both ways. Like Alice seems to be a little bit like, why won't you just let me heal? And Cheryl seems to be like in denial and like thinking Jason is alive kind of. Yeah, I would like to see the mechanism of how they do this. I would too. Um, I mean, from what we've seen before, we think it might have something to do with the mushrooms potentially. It might not, but mm-hmm. I guess we'll find out probably in the next couple episodes. So then Tony is kind of upset about this whole thing. And so Betty is like, oh, well, we just need to show Cheryl that Jason is actually dead. So here, show Cheryl this video of her dad shooting her brother, which I'm 99% sure Betty had promised to delete this video back in season two when they were using it to like get FP out of jail. Also, I'm, I kind of thought that Cheryl had watched this video before, but they make it seem later like Cheryl has not actually watched the video. Yeah, I'm a little unclear on that too, but like also it's just messed up to have that. Yeah, I thought it was a little bit of a low blow personally. Like it's just, it's just not okay. Yeah. So Tony eventually does show the video to Cheryl and Cheryl basically says that she thinks it's fabricated and uh, that she, you know, has actually seen and talked and hugged Jason. And so she's kind of just still in that mode. Betty also talks with her dad. Like, why are they, why are they talking to her dad again? Like, why? Why do they keep bringing Hal back into this show? I'm sick of it. He's in jail. He's a murderer. We're done with him. Like, just be done with him. Also, what kind of jail is he in? Like, what is this? This is like a TV prison. Like, there is no way that someone is in this, like, creepy dark jail, but still looks as, like, clean cut as him and, like, showered and, like, also has a big glass wall that he can talk to people Yeah, they have him in, like, the Hannibal Lecter type cell from the, like, insane asylum that he was in. And it's like, Hal is no Hannibal Lecter, thank you. Yeah. So, Betty then asks her mom if her mom is engaged with Edgar. Where did this come from? Again, it feels like we're missing an episode. Yeah. So, okay. They say they have a deep understanding of each other. I don't know. Uh, We have not heard anything about Evelyn's mom either, so I'm not really sure what that whole situation's about, but that's fine. I just assume that Edgar is sleeping with any, like, age-appropriate or possibly even too young woman at the farm because that's, like, a very cult thing. Yeah, although Alice is probably older than Edgar. Yeah, but that's, like, they're still, like, around the same-ish age. Yeah, I guess that's okay. So Betty shows Alice a gravestone that she created for Charles, and Alice, like, kind of doesn't buy it, and so Betty knocks her out and takes her to the bang bunker. Okay, sure. Yeah, so she decides that this is the the right way to get Alice is to deprogram her by reminding her of her past, and Alice just keeps bringing up, like, the negative parts of the past, like, I lived with a murderer in that house. Um, Betty's like, but that's where you also raised me and Polly. And Betty's just like, you know what? Look at your life. Remember who you are. I'm going to school. And it's like, what the hell are you doing? Well, her whole point, I mean, I kind of get Betty's thing here of like, you can't just get rid of the past because there's good parts 
of the past. And I, you know, that must be tough for Betty, who like, it's basically her mom getting rid of all the good memories she had of Betty's whole life growing up. And I think for Betty, she really, she really wanted, like, Betty has this darkness and Betty really struggled a lot with how becoming the Black Hood and when that came out. And Betty needs her mom to, you know, help Betty recover from that. But instead, with her mom just seeking out this cult, Betty's kind of lost here and is just forced to, you know, lose both of her parents, basically, because of this event. Yeah, it's like she needs both parents provide, like, some sort of a balance in her. But it's like everyone's only seeing the darkness from Hal instead of both sides of it, which is not helpful to her. Yeah, it's not. So so then Evelyn confronts Tony at school and uh, Tony is basically like, I'm I'm Cheryl's loved one. You can't get rid of me. And Tony is like, you are just detracting Cheryl from her studies at the farm. I don't know. I think Tony could take Evelyn in a fight any oh, day. Oh, 100%. And then Evelyn ends up with just like, have a blessed day. And like, that's like anyone you might fight with online who's just like, have a nice day. Like this conversation is over. And it's like, they did not win the fight, but they are so righteous that they think they did. Yeah, I really don't like that. Also, I don't like when people pronounce it blessed, even if that's how it's supposed to be pronounced. It bothers me. Can you not just say blessed? Is that not Blessed and blessed are two different things. Ugh, it bugs me. I don't like words like that. It just reminds me of beloved. Anyway. Um, I don't know how to react to that, but anyway. I just did not love that book. That's all. (laughs) Anyway. So Betty goes back to the banker, the banker, to the bunker, and Alice has somehow started a fire and well, is yeah, burning she left all the like a billion candles down there what did she expect i don't really understand why the intervention had to be candlelit but alice i don't understand burning. why she had to like give alice enough chain on her handcuffs to like be able to reach the candles at least like put them out of her way yeah it's very strange that that happened at all but anyway so then it like changes scenes real quick to go back to the high school yeah betty is just running back and forth i guess she left on her lunch break who knows yeah because she really cares about being at school that's one thing i know if I know anything from this show. Oh, yeah. Betty's going to a good college, remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So Betty, like, pushes Evelyn against a locker and is like, you stay away from my family. And it's like, whoa, Betty, the darkness is out and about. Yeah, and I don't love the weird angle they have on Betty. It's like an extreme close-up, but her face also looks, like, super distorted and weird. So I wasn't I wasn't really a fan of that, but It's like I they're trying to make us scared of her. Creepy. Yeah. And then, uh, let's see, Tony tries to seduce Sh- Cheryl, that happens. Yeah, because Cheryl's like, do you think these Louboutins are too much for kombucha making? Which, yes, but also maybe let's not seduce people in this show. Okay, it's fine. I we mean, can move on. Eh, anyways, they kind of like reaffirm their relationship. Yeah. Betty is listening to the tapes that her mom had. And that, I mean, that's why she attacked Evelyn earlier, because Evelyn just like shouts in the middle of school, like, we've got all the copies of the tapes. And like, that has some like pretty bad stuff about Betty on there. And uh, like, w- what is does Evelyn expect? She's literally blackmailing someone. Like, the blackmailing part is the thing that I just feel like go to the police, Betty. Like, maybe go, although I guess the police is FP and FP is gonna, like, gonna be like, yeah, look you, me and my, me and your mom broke up. It's really awkward right now. I don't really want to get in the middle of this. No, I feel like she'd be like, yeah, he'd be like, yeah, me and your mom broke up, but like, oh my god, this is insane. We have to save her. But I feel like he knows. Like, I mean, I don't know if FP knows the fact that he has dirt on him on those tapes, too, because he buried the dude that... Well, it's like, he obviously doesn't know about the tapes yet. 
I don't know. Maybe. Oh, well. I, I get, It's, like, lost on me throughout this season how much, like, Jughead and FP know about what's going on with Alice and Betty. But that's fine. Alice is afraid of Betty. That's what she says on the tapes, that she has the same darkness as her father. Kind of surprised that no one has managed to find Alice by now. I feel like the Bang Bunker has been used to hide people, like, so often that it would be pretty easy to find. Uh, Fangs definitely knows where the Bang Bunker is, so he could have told Evelyn if he's part of the farm. Yeah, because Fangs, by the way, not only is he part of the Serpents and the Fighting Club, he's also part of the farm. So Fangs has become just, like, that background character who's in every scene. Yeah, I, I really don't understand what's going on with Fangs. It's fine, though. So Betty confronts Edgar again and is like, why are you turning Alice against me? And he's like, dude, like, you've been kind of creepy. Your mom has every reason to fear you. And that's kind of, like, kind of has a good point. And then, I mean, I don't, I feel like he doesn't have a good point. He's just, like, pulling all this culty BS on her and it's just working. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe it's just because I've seen shows and movies like this. But, like, maybe this is the kind of thing where Betty just needs to take a step back and Alice will eventually realize that this place is culty and weird. I mean, maybe not, but I don't think that's how cults work. No, but she did like, by the end of the episode, Betty has kind of shut down and is just like, yeah, it's fine. Alice can do whatever she wants. I've well, it's because she's mom. come up with a new plan by the end of the episode. I mean, I guess. I don't know how much of a new plan this is. The new plan is basically that Cheryl tells Tony that Evelyn, like, needs to make a choice between the two, and then so, I guess, Tony under Betty's advisement, like, fake joins the farm, so yay just another person infiltrating the farm i mean how long do you think it's gonna be until tony like realizes that her dead whoever is at the farm well i feel like tony is like much tougher and probably less likely to fall for all this yeah i hope so we'll see i really hope so if she does fall for i'm gonna be pissed i mean the thing is like the cult actually made i I was questioning a few episodes ago like why did they come to riverdale but like the fact that there's so many deaths happening in riverdale there's a lot of people here who have a lot of dead loved ones so it kind of makes sense. Yeah, if that's their whole thing. I don't know if that was like an intentional thing by the show, but it's making more sense now. So yeah, Tony joins the farm and it's cool. And uh, Betty listens to some more tapes and then asks Tony if she's a monster. And Tony's like, no, you're not a monster. You just want to save your mom like I want to save Cheryl. So guess they're on the same page. I like the teaming up of those two. Also, what happened to the pretty poisons? Is that still a thing? Don't know. Don't really mm, care. Where are they at? Where are the pretty poisons at? It was a very gangless episode, all in all. And to be honest, I didn't mind the lack of gangs. Yeah. So Betty goes back to Hal and gets him to sign the divorce papers and is like, yep, I'm just I'm just going to let mom go. It's fine. And then he says, cool. Can you like get me out of prison also? No. Hal, we can't get you out of prison because you're serving, I'm pretty sure, a life sentence for m- multiple murders. Like what? I mean, legally, what could Betty say to a court system that would get him out of prison? Like, oh, it's fine. I'm okay with my dad now. No, no. Like he's literally a serial killer. Like they don't just let serial killers out of prison. What, does he expect her to help him like break out? Like, Or no. like blame someone else, like frame someone else for his crimes? I no. have no idea. I Not have no idea. happening, ma'am. I don't know. So Jawbreaker, the title of this episode uh as far as i can tell it's a band it's a candy it's also a 1999 movie a film inspired actually by heathers and it, like you said is often compared to it particularly the fact that the plot involves popular female cliques and the killing of one of its members so yeah and the other thing too is that i'm fairly certain that this week is the 20th anniversary of the movie jawbreaker coming out 
interesting. So good timing. Yeah, that's very interesting. So yeah, I think like the plot line of kidnapping, I guess, kind of fits in with the whole Alice being kidnapped thing. But more importantly, there's also like the whole boxing stuff, which kind of like jaw breaking. There's people foaming at the mouth. I don't know. It's I'm yeah. I think the the jawbreaker comparison comes in more so from uh, Betty kidnapping her mom. Yeah, probably. So who do you think was the most normal person of the week? I'm who was normal in this episode? Fred, because he was there for like two seconds and was like, honestly, honestly, you're right. That was the only remotely normal part of the episode was when Fred was like, hey, you're playing with fire, kid. Like, like, hey, baby, don't get back in this toxic relationship. And also, I'm gonna support you and go watch you box. I mean, I'm trying yeah. to think of literally no, anyone else. You're who's right. Normal. There's because I couldn't think of anyone. Like, FP is using his son to help him solve crimes. Jughead is solving crimes. Betty kidnapped her mom and is talking to her dad who's a felon like Tony was relatively normal but like I feel like Tony was too willing to like go into this scheme like this is not normal all right well uh Fred did win a few episodes ago but he deserves it again okay I'm not mad about it I'm not yeah I'm not upset about it um okay cool uh well that's about it for this week's episode thank you for joining us and we'll be back next time for a recap of episode 19 until then you can follow me online at frail mary on every platform and if you're interested you can check out some of our other podcasts that we've done on kowski cast that's at kowskicast.com cow with a k you can find kirsten online at kirsten said what and you can if you want check out both of us on our show that we did on rob and akiva need a podcast which you can find on rob has website.com and or rob has a podcast on any podcatcher uh the show is basically about us recapping season three episode seven of riverdale but with two people who have only seen that episode and no other riverdale episodes so it's a pretty interesting show if you just look up rob and akiva need a podcast that's a k i v a for akiva and it is a pretty pretty interesting podcast if you uh, like random different episodes each week they spin a wheel and that determines what they're going to talk about that week. Yeah, I saw a tweet after our our episode that the only thing weirder than a podcast where they spin a wheel to get the next topic is Riverdale. So... (laughs) If you yes. like this, Riverdale, like you'll probably love Robin and Kiva Need, a podcast. Uh, you can also catch me. I did an episode of a podcast called Word on the Straits this past week. Um, Straits spelled S-T-R-8-S and it's where we unpack straight culture. And it was very funny. We talked about beer and basically everything else under the sun. So I'd really appreciate it if you guys check that out. Yeah, I will also link the episode from Robin Akiva Need a Podcast on our website under the Season 3, Episode 7 podcast that we did. Also, I think it's on there under our last week's episode, and I'll put it on this week's episode as well in case you want to find it that way. Until next time. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I just ended. I couldn't remember anything else to say, but then I really didn't. They're like, what?